Misfits, welcome back to the Misfits and Mysteries podcast. We are your weekly podcast for all things weird and wacky from Bigfoot and aliens to psychology and history and everything in between. We are your hosts, Emmy And Steve. So Steve, how are we doing? Pretty good. I'm babysitting my dog, so I have not been sleeping much because he wakes me up early in the morning. But besides that, it's nice being alone and living alone for a bit. It's been a while. <laughs> Well, I had a pretty shitty weekend on Saturday. I had some bad sushi, I think. You got the gas station? It was from the grocery store. Which grocery store? Diastinos. It's the only grocery store near me, and they're so fucking expensive. And apparently have bad sushi. So my roommate broke her foot and cannot make it up the stairs very well so I was just all weekend like helping her get up the stairs and then on Sunday I had food poisoning so it was not the most pleasant weekend you should stick your roommate up in the apartment and be like no you're not going downstairs yeah seriously I mean she's gone now we went to this bar that was on a boat interesting how do you do a boat bar when you're have a broken foot though? Because it's already hard enough to balance on a boat when both your feet work. Right. With alcohol. Was, yeah. I mean, it was a terrible idea, but she hadn't been out in a really long time. So we're like, just going to go for it. I'd be so nauseous though. I, actually, I don't get seasick, but I imagine that. I get seasick. I've never been seasick before. It was a docked boat. Oh. And it just stays there and it's just a bar and your drinks are like $20 pop. <laughs> of course of course yeah that's the problem with those bars is that it ends up being a shitty experience and they're like oh because it's on a boat we can charge you 20 dollars for your drink i mean you just pay for the instagram at that point yeah i know <laughs> it's stupid and speaking of getting drunk in manhattan today i'm talking about vampires and more importantly a new york local urban legend that turned out to be a little bit more true than you'd expect Ludwig, the bloodsucker who hung out on Bowery Street. He was a vampire who drank drunk people's blood because he'd get his nutrients and he'd get fucked up. Wow, that's kind of a sick move. I know, right? That's kind of smart. Vampires can't eat or drink, but this guy wanted to party. So he'd just eat people who had a high blood alcohol content to get fucked up. Wow, that's pretty smart, actually. Yeah. What are you talking about today? So I am talking about ancient aliens. Nice. Both the theory and the show. So it was a big undertaking, but I'm excited. Yeah, I can only imagine. There's a lot of lore, if you will, to play. I might have to do a part two at some point. There's so much. Yeah. There's so much to vampires, too, that I'm mostly going to focus on Ludwig and... I did some research about vampires to sort of answer some of our questions from last week and a lot of the random speculation we were making. Let me just put it this way. There's a lot of ways to become a vampire in Romania and Greece in particular. Uh-huh. It seems like anything you fuck up will make you a vampire there. So be careful if you ever go to Romania or Greece. Wow. Oh. I think we're going to have to definitely do another vampire episode. I think that we're going to do vampires, werewolves, witches, all that jazz in the spooky season, but we got to do like a full deeper dive. But for now, we're just doing overview, answering some questions from last week and learning about Ludwig. I think that's a good idea because last week when I covered the Mononongal, who is kind of a vampire, we had a lot of questions. So I'm excited to hear what you found. So before we get in, a couple announcements. 
I was just on the Dads on Daycall podcast to talk about aliens. It was a wild time. You got to check those guys out. They're hysterical. I believe the episode's coming out this week. Unfortunately, Emmy was not able to join us because of the food poisoning. Poisoning. <laughs> but we talked aliens. We talked some Bigfoot, some conspiracies like JFK was assassinated by the CIA. Stevie Wonder is not actually blind. All that jazz. And also, if you haven't yet, you should really check out last week's episode with Dr. Emily Zarka. It was a blast. She basically does what we do, only she knows infinitely more than we do. Yes, that is true. And then before we start the episode, as always, if you like our show or enjoy this at all, make sure to subscribe. It not only helps us a ton with the algorithm, it also makes sure you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review if you'd like. And we're on literally, I mean, I guess you already know this, but we're on literally every podcast platform, but you should know that by now if you're listening. Um, <laughs> and yeah, check out our, our website for our blogs and newsletter, misfitsandmysteries.com. And yeah, so let's hop into the episode. Let's do it. And we're back. So like I said, vampires are too big of an undertaking for me to do it justice today. So we're going to go over some basics of vampires, how to defeat vampires, how you get turned into vampires. It's a little bit more complicated than we thought last week. And then I'm going to talk about Ludwig, the blood sucker. So basic characteristics of vampires. Vampires have no reflection in mirrors. Vampires never eat or drink. They're very strong. They can see in the dark. They can turn others into the undead. They have long pointy nails they're vulnerable to garlic and wooden steaks. And Dracula was the first vampire to have all of these traits. And he was also able to shapeshift into a bat, mist, or a wolf. Into mist? Yeah, he can turn into mist. Like the squonk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps a vampire bit the squonk. Perhaps. So there are a lot of vampires spanning a long period of time. So... Actually, would you rather hear about how to defeat a vampire first or how to become one? Let's become one first. Okay. It's no rhyme or reason for which way we go. Yeah. So my favorite part of searching how to become a vampire is I didn't realize how stupid humans are because <laughs> the first three or four pages on Google are how to become a vampire in real life. This is all useless information. I don't need to read this shit. Also, why would you want that? I don't know. I literally had to type in how to become a vampire in folklore to find real information that wasn't like, this is how you can act like a vampire. Who wants to become a vampire? That's terrifying. People are weird. <laughs> yeah, I know. People are really weird. And apparently enough people want it that there are multiple pages of information with articles detailing how to become a real life vampire. No, so, yeah. Thank you. No, thank you. Okay, so... After adding the qualifying word in folklore, I found out how to become a vampire in folklore because vampires don't exist as we discussed last week, that mathematical equation of how it's not yeah. possible. All right. So the first is the most common one that we know of, which is blood exchange. So it's a little more than just being bit by a vampire. So the blood exchange, the vampire needs to drain your blood and then you need to drink the vampire's blood and then you become a vampire Apparently, it's a very excruciating process because you basically die and then you come back to life. So you have to drink the vampire's blood, though? Yeah. So the vampire will offer you its blood to drink if it wants to turn you into a vampire. Okay. That's what I was sort of getting at last week. I didn't understand why I hadn't researched it. But it's not like if a vampire just bites any old thing, it'll turn into a vampire. 
let's say the only thing available is like an infant. The vampire is not going to fuck over an infant and have an infant be an infant for eternity. Maybe it would just yeah. kill the infant. It would be really messed up to just turn an infant. Okay, into well, I don't think their morals are really all I know, but an infant vampire is going to hate you forever if it's stuck like that. That would be weird. You just like starve forever. So if you were turned into a vampire, what's the prime age that you want to be if, when you get bit? If you're going to be that age forever? Probably like your early 20s. Probably, yeah. You're like agile, you're young. I would say you want to be over 18. Because the thing is, you don't want to be too young where you look like a child for the rest of your life. But you don't want to be so old that you're stuck at 30 or 45 or something where it's like, sure, you're still young, but your body doesn't work as well. 30 is not old. When you're 30, your body does not work as well as it does when you're 20. Yeah. But in your early 20s, you're like, emotionally mature but physically fit yeah i'd say 24 or 25 because i still need to be able to grow facial hair that's a key if you're stuck how you look right now forever you gotta have options i'd be able to grow a beard or mustache or something any younger and i cannot grow one so that'd be a problem (laughs) all right so the second way to get turned into a vampire so this is how to get turned into a vampire around the world and by that i mean almost entirely in greece and romania Okay. Also, the Slavic countries come up a lot too. If you commit a sin against God. So there are a few ways this happens. So if you're a bad enough dude and you sin a lot, you can get turned into a vampire. If you get excommunicated from the church, you're going to turn into a vampire. Or if you commit a really bad crime, you're going to become a vampire. What's the process? Who turns you into one? You know, the Romanians didn't think that through. Based on what we're going to hear, I think you're going to turn into a vampire is kind of like, oh, if you don't eat your vegetables, you're going to like blah, blah, blah is going to happen. (laughs) It just reminds me of this is very different. But when I was a kid, I thought that when you got married, when you kissed, then your body just knew to have a baby. (laughs) Like when the priest said, kiss the bride, then your body was just like, okay, baby time. (laughs) Like (laughs) that's how this feels. Uh, the next one is if you're born a vampire, mm. but it's not how you'd expect. It was not like if a mommy vampire and a daddy vampire really love each other, they have a baby vampire. No, <laughs> it's different. If your baby is born prematurely, has an extra nipple, a tail, excess hair or teeth, it's doomed to become a vampire. Also, if you're the seventh baby and every baby born is the same sex, number seven is a vampire. I wish it the listeners could see my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? An extra nipple, a tail? An extra nipple, tail, excess hair. What if you just had teeth? a lot of hair? <laughs> I have no idea. Anything that's not perfectly normal seems to be a vampire to the they do with the babies they didn't say i don't want to know yeah i didn't really want to look into that also the idea is like if you have seven boys or seven girls the seventh kid's automatically a vampire i mean that is unlikely but but it could happen it's not impossible not to the point where i'd be like this one's gotta be (laughs) undead so then cats can also turn you into a vampire there's two ways the first is in romania because of course it is yeah. In Romania, if a cat jumps across a grave, the corpse will rise and become a vampire. Or 
if you're in Greece, if a black cat walks by a pregnant woman, her child will be born a vampire. If a black cat walks by a pregnant woman? Her baby will be a vampire, yeah. That's scary. I know, because you don't have any control over that. Yeah. Yeah, stay inside. Don't do anything. Jeez. I just have one question. Yeah. If vampires don't age, then what if you're born a vampire? That's a really good question. I have no (laughs) idea. Are you just a fetus? (laughs) You know, that's a really good question. I don't think that when these people were accusing other people of being vampires, they thought through whether or not an infant vampire would age. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's a way to accuse people of being a vampire. Yeah. So- This is a segment I call some weird ways to become a vampire from across the globe. And by across the globe, I mean literally just Greece and Romania. (laughs) (laughs) So in Greece, if you die alone, you become a vampire. Oh, that's sad. In Greece, if you eat mutton from a sheep that was killed by a wolf, vampire. (laughs) If you're born out of wedlock in Romania, you're a vampire. Oh, no. If a pregnant woman was marked by a witch in Romania, the baby's a vampire. I mean, honestly, vampires might be like the cool kids at this point. I know. Like, if you do anything slightly wrong, you're a vampire. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in Romania, if a baby dies of unnatural causes before baptism, vampire. In the Slavic countries, mm-hmm. suicide, you become a vampire. Improper burial, you become a vampire. Being conceived on a cursed day makes you a vampire. What's a cursed day the articles didn't specify but if the day you're born is cursed vampire all right well and then this is my absolute favorite out of mother russia if you talk to yourself you're a vampire i'm a fucking vampire same i think literally everyone's a fucking vampire everyone talks to themselves classic russia where it's like if you talk to yourself you're a fucking vampire those are all the ways you can become a vampire that's weird I mean, and like, they're... <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> I understand why some of these have not made into vampire films. I don't think it'd be very exciting if Dracula's origin story is he was talking to himself. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's feeling lonely. Yeah, or he sinned too much. He, like, committed petty theft and became a vampire. Oh, my God. Or a cat jumped in front of him. Or he was born with a third nipple. <laughs> I mean, that would be interesting. That would be That'd an interesting, be interesting. story. If he just had more hair on his head than normal. <laughs> <laughs> a little hairier than normal vampire. Vampire. So according to National Geographic, there are six ways to defeat a vampire. Okay, let's hear it. National Geographic wrote an article about how to defeat vampires. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. I'm very ready for this. All right, so... The first is garlic. That more or less repels vampires. And what's interesting, actually, about this is some scientists have sort of linked this to rabies and vampirism. So I'll get to why in a sec, but just to show the correlation, according to some scientists, vampirism in the 1700s in Hungary, a lot of like the traits are likely associated with people getting rabies because there's a strong correlation between the rabies epidemic that plagued animals like bats, wolves, and dogs between 1721 and 1728, and the vampire epidemic that broke out shortly after. And they also found that in 25% of cases, rabid men have a tendency to bite other people, which is guaranteed to transmit rabies, which would explain why vampires bite people and then they turn quote unquote undead. 
And, and that would also explain like why they turn into bats. Yeah, exactly. Why they turn into bats. And the final reason that they link rabies, vampirism, and garlic is that people with rabies, their sense of smell is far more sensitive than an average person's. So strong odors like garlic are really, really potent to them. So they steer clear of it. So they think that the reason that the garlic became part of the vampire myth is that these people who had rabies, they believed were vampires, would steer clear of the garlic because it just smelled so potent to them. Interesting. Aren't vampires also afraid of water? Or, sorry, people with rabies? Yes, they are afraid of water. I feel like that would come into the folklore somewhere. That's interesting, yeah. That's what's so crazy about rabies is it makes you afraid of water, so you just die of dehydration. Rabies is crazy. I thought I was going to get rabies one time. Really? Why? I got scratched by a bat. Holy shit. You went to the hospital like right away, right? Yeah. You got to get nip it in the body or you're dead. Because I was like, oh, I'm going to be fine. And then I Googled it and it was like, you will die. <laughs> yeah, they don't get it like right away. You will die. Do you have to get all the shots? Yeah. Isn't it like 50 shots or something crazy like that? I don't think it was that. I mean, I wasn't a kid, but I was pretty young. I know they injected like all at once. So it's not like you had to go in 50 separate times. Yeah. I thought it's like they do like the big like batch of just. Well, it's really extremely painful. Shot itself is really painful. Yeah. Cause I mean, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure at least it used to be like multiple shots. So they just inject you all at once. I honestly don't really remember what happened. I feel like I blocked out that point in my life. You just get like locked jaw and actually lose your mind. No, I know it, it is a scary, scary disease. All right. So the next is mirrors <laughs> anyways, and moving on. Anyways, <laughs> mirrors and sunlight. So you know vampires don't have reflections. Apparently, in some folklore, vampires are actually afraid of mirrors. And one of the links they have to that with the rabies, going back to that, is apparently another sense that's really heightened is your sense of sight. Mm-hmm. And when animals or a rabid person look at their reflection, it causes them to have like crazy spasms in their face, which makes them afraid of their own reflection. Interesting. So that's one theory. And then sunlight. I mean, they didn't really pose an adequate explanation, but everyone knows that sunlight melts vampires. Yeah. I mean, so, of course. <laughs> yeah. So then the next one is the cross or holy water. And basically it turns out any Christian symbol. So the, the article said any religious symbol and then proceeded to only list Christian symbols. So if I'm going to be doing my vampire safety prep, Casey's just watching me talk about this and like, you're fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's listening, that's my dog. He's just staring at me like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> but yeah. So <laughs> What are we talking about? vampires um, so apparently any christian symbol will scare off a vampire and i think the reason that vampires will never attack me is there's a church bordering my property right there so i think that we're quite literally in a no-fly zone knock on wood seriously it's too risky they can't go on church grounds they just like physically can't yeah not allowed interesting uh, so then the fourth is a stake through the heart which is a wooden stake. That's dramatic. So fun fact, actually, in all the uh, legends, everyone says, oh, it has to be a wooden stake, a wooden stake. So in Bram Stoker's Dracula, the guy who created Dracula, apparently Dracula gets stabbed by a Bowie knife in the heart and dies. So apparently a Bowie knife works too. Interesting. Okay. So Bowie knife or 
a wooden stake, whichever you happen to have available. Okay. So <laughs> this tradition of a stake of the heart dates back to 1727 when Arnold Palo was convinced he had fallen prey to a vampire. So he went to his alleged assailant's grave and ate some dirt to try and scare him off. Okay. And then a few weeks later, he fell off of the back of a wagon and died. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then the townspeople kept complaining that Paolo kept rising from the dead and harassing them. So they dug up his body and stabbed him with the wooden stake in the heart. And that's where the tradition of stabbing vampires came from. Oh my God, that's so violent. Yeah, and that wasn't like a one-time thing. That's something that continued a lot throughout history. It would like dig up dead people and stick them in the yeah. heart. Yep, if they thought that they were vampires. Oh. <laughs> or you can use a bowie knife if you don't have a wooden stake. Whatever you got. <laughs> Whatever you got. The next is decapitating them and burning their body. Yeah, that would kill me too. So I'd love yeah. to check out. Yeah, that makes um, sense. <laughs> they didn't really specify why you do that, but I mean, I think if you chop anything's head off and then you burn its body, it's going to stay dead. It's Yeah. Yeah. That's, that sounds right. <laughs> it just sounds right. And then I have the sixth one, and then I have a bonus one that's fun. So number six, I've never heard of this one. You put a brick, stone, or vine between the teeth of a deceased person that you think is going to turn into a vampire, and apparently that prevents them from eating people if they have like a stone in their mouth. Okay, interesting. And then my bonus one, we actually talked about this before, way back when, during one of our Christmas time episodes with the, what are they called, Kali Gonzaros? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they, so- vampires in a lot of these traditions the reason that the count in sesame street has to count all the time is because vampires have extreme ocd so you count things so what you do to stay safe is you would pour a bunch of rice out on your front porch and the vampire won't get you because it has to count every single individual grain of rice and by the time it's finished the sun will come up and burn it yeah it was the same thing you would put out a strainer and they'd have to count every single hole, but yeah. they could only count to three. Yeah, exactly. Only, <laughs> these vampires can count beyond three, but the idea is like, if there's so much rice, they can't help themselves. They have to count every single grain. And that's why the count Sesame Street counts. I know. I mean, I didn't really read about this in the folklore, but in some traditions, the vampires had to be invited inside. I think that's more modern stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's why you never invite anyone in. You let them walk in. They can't enter your house without being invited. They're a vampire. Interesting. You got to be very careful with them. <laughs> anyone who insists people. on being invited indoors, don't invite them. Be like, okay. Especially in COVID times. Don't oh, yeah. whammy. All right. So now I want to hear about our friendly neighborhood bloodsucker. Yes, I do. And this is exciting because I feel like we don't have a lot of local. Yeah. He's like. We had the sewer gators, but... This is a 19th century urban legend that kind of has died out. And he used to harass Bowery. Have you ever been down to Bowery? Where is that? Like... It's lower Manhattan. I think lower east side. You know where the Bowery Electric is? It's a big like, music so. venue. Yeah. All right. So he used to hang out in Bowery. So Ludwig the Bloodsucker is an urban legend that was popular in Manhattan in the mid to late 19th century. And basically... Ludwig would just chill at dive bars and harass local drunks. (laughs) Particularly, they're both out of business because this was like the 1830s and 40s. So these places are still around. So Ludwig was a regular at Bismarck Hall and the House of Commons, which are two rowdy bars in Bowery where people would 
constantly be in bar fights. Okay. <laughs> so Ludwig was only around three foot tall and was exceptionally hairy. And according to witnesses, wow. he had a big head with hair sprouting out of every orifice. I and always imagine vampires as tall. Yeah. All skinny guys. Usually, Mr. Uh, Ludwig was a German fellow who is not the sexy vampire type. He wasn't seducing any ladies. <laughs> All right. He's just some dude. He's an exceptionally short, hairy dude who kind of looks like a leprechaun. All right. Uh, so Ludwig, like I said, was not a very good looking dude, which made it really difficult for him to seduce ladies to feast on. And he also couldn't take down a fully grown German man because he's three foot tall and like a hairy, short, stout guy. So he mm-hmm. stowed away on a ship and headed for America to live out the American dream. And Ludwig set up shop in lower Manhattan in Bowery because there's no shortage of bars and drunken brawls. So what Ludwig would do is he would wait for a fight to break out. And after the instigator was eventually thrown out of the bar because he was obliterated and he was disoriented from just having gotten to a fight, Ludwig would attack, singing his fangs in the man before he had time to react. Because Ludwig was a little guy, he would get drunk off their blood alcohol content. And because he's a little guy, he wasn't greedy. So he wouldn't kill his victims. He would just take like a pint or two. And then he would taunt them. Because apparently his victims would be like, oh, you're going to burn to the stake. And he'd be like, okay, who's going to believe the drunk guy that a three foot tall gnome jumped out of the shadows and bit him, sucked his blood and ran away? That's true. Kind of crazy. The reason that he would go after drunk guys is because he liked to get fucked up. And he found that because he's a vampire, he couldn't drink alcohol directly. But the blood alcohol content would get him really fucked up. As far as vampires go, this guy's pretty nice. He just took a few pints didn't kill anyone. I was like, hey, I need to eat and get drunk. I'm Yeah, I just <laughs> just trying to get fucked up and have a good time, guys. Yeah. The reason that he just stuck around in New York is that where he was, it didn't matter. It was always a bunch of rowdy men just getting into bar fights all the time. So it didn't matter what bars closed and open. There's constantly men brawling and being mm-hmm. drunk in the streets. So he always had a constant supply. Unfortunately, we might not be able to hunt down our good friend Ludwig here because, I mean, look, I mean, we could probably interview him if this vampire is still alive. As long as I don't get drunk, it sounds like he won't fuck with us. That's true. I feel like I get drunk often enough to not go near Ludwig. Yeah, that's true. According to this blog, it was untitled. It's going to be in a blog I write, so just look out for that. I'll link to it. But this guy or girl uncovered a newspaper a lot of people believe that Ludwig is just a myth or urban legend because outside of some references in some books from the time, there's no real written accounts of Ludwig. There's just the legend, I guess, an oral tradition of Ludwig, except this guy or girl dug up this newspaper from the 18, like 30s or 40s, actually probably like 1850s or 60s, about an actual Ludwig who drank blood, who was a German man living in Bowery. Really? Yeah. What did it say? I'm going to go through that. I took some quotes. So this is from the National Police Gazette. I took some quotes, but I mostly paraphrased because I had to Google a lot of the words because there are a lot of words in the 1800s that we don't use anymore and I'd never heard of. Yeah. So the real Ludwig was a actual blood-sucking German-American tailor. He was a tailor by profession. His name was Franz Ludwig Hedregal. Born in Germany in 1824. He and his wife, her name is 
horrendous. Instead of Martha, it's Maritha. <laughs> he and Maritha raised a large family in the Lower East Side, and they were not poor. They're actually property owners. So according to this article, it's published in the National Police Gazette. Okay, so Martha and Ludwig had a nasty fucking divorce. Based on this article and the rumors she was spreading around him, this is a nasty, nasty divorce. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'd say it almost rivals the uh, ghost pirate divorce. Oh, no. That's, so, I don't know how it could get much worse than that. So Ludwig Hellreif, he was a German tailor living on Avenue B between 2nd and 3rd Street. And his neighbors called him a bloodsucker because of his ex-wife. He spread some nasty rumors about this poor guy. It was alleged that he not only drank animals' blood, but also he had a taste for human blood whenever he'd get it. So his taste for blood was first made public by a domestic dispute, which ended in divorce. So she accused him of having a taste for human blood. And the reason that they were getting divorced is because dangerous inclination to gratify his unnatural thirst for blood at her expense. Perlerf was an unusually small dude with a very large head covered with a lot of hair, like a super hairy dude, just like Ludwig the Bloodsucker. He's short? Short guy. Not three foot tall, but he's a short guy. Yeah. Shorter than your average Joe. He was also incredibly hairy. These are quotes from an interview with Ludwig about his wife and the shit that she was telling everyone about him. Poor guy. So when a reporter asked Ludwig if he actually drank blood, he responded, yes, it is true that I drink blood and it's good for me. It is a good medicine. It makes me strong. The Germans eat blood sausage and they all say it is good. But when I drink mine, they say it's bad. This is a direct quote, by the way. But when I drink mine, they say it's bad and they call me bloodsucker. Now, what's the difference? Whether I take the blood before it's made into a sausage or afterwards, they make a fuss about nothing. So we're about to get into the messy divorce. Okay. This is a direct quote from Ludwig. But all the trouble came from that woman, Margaretha. She told all the women that I couldn't live without drinking the blood of some person. And the woman, they told that story to everyone for the truth. But us, not so. I don't know how it's supposed to mean, whatever. She told them that I used to bite her arm in the night when she was asleep and then suck the blood. She made me so much trouble. <laughs> this guy who does drink animal blood because he's a weirdo. His wife's just like, yeah. He's a creep. He drinks Ranapil's blood. It's like, what the fuck? You can't be spreading that rumor to people. That's not nice. I um, don't think either of them are sane people. No, they're both fucked up. I'm not a fan of either of them. When asked if he ever bit his wife, well, yes, I did bite her sometimes, but it was not for the blood. Although the blood from a person is better than that of an animal. It's just as much better as good wine is better than some common wine. If you would try it once, you would see the difference. Human blood is richer and has finer flavor. No, 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 no. This isn't a quote really, but in regards to a question about when he started drinking blood, according to Ludwig, he was a very small and delicate child that was the only survivor of six. So his parents spared no expense on him. And the doctor treating him at the time said that he had, quote, a poverty of blood and ordered him to eat raw meat an animal's blood from the butcher. So they would go and get warm animal's blood from like recently slaughtered animals and make him drink it. Ew. Basically. He was born in Germany? This was in Germany, yes. Okay. And he didn't stow away to America. He traveled there. So he denies the allegations that he sucked people's blood, but he did not deny the allegations that he drank blood like wine. 
That is absolutely horrific. Well, I know something really freaky too. Yeah. So I thought that the person who wrote the blog was joking when they said that there's no record of his death. I'm like, oh, it's like a funny end. I searched find my grave, wherever it's called. I searched public database for death records and obituaries. I couldn't find a single fucking obituary for this guy. That's freaky. That's actually really freaky. Yeah. Isn't that really freaky? Like I thought the person was being cute about it, but I actually could not find a death certificate, an obituary or a grave in New York. It's totally possible that maybe he moved back to Germany or something or his name is misspelled in his obituary or whatever, but that is fucking freaky. Isn't that? That's really freaky, Steve. So if you ever see a short, hairy dude. I think also a funny thing would be if there was just this dude who hung out at the bars and would sometimes like bite his friends and be like, "Ah, how funny was that? (laughs) (laughs) That's the really freaky part, though, is that there's no evidence of his death. That's weird because vampires don't die, right? I know, exactly. He's such a weird dude, too, because he was trying to be like, it's no different than drinking wine, drinking blood. It's like, yeah, it is. Yep, yep. Like, he's so kind of weird about it, which is... Yeah, that's different. It's just so weird. It's one of those things where it's like, on the one hand, the guy probably didn't bite people to drink blood. He just has, like, a weird taste for drinking blood. And his wife probably just blew it out of proportion. At the same time, you know how they say, like, when shit hits the fan, shut the fuck up? Yeah, yeah. Instead of shutting the fuck up, it doubled down on like the weirdest aspects of it. Like, oh yeah, you know, human blood is just like a fine wine. So what human blood was he drinking? That's the thing you is know? he never specified where he got it from. Maybe he was a vampire. Maybe, I know. Spooky. 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 We can go hunt for uh, Ludwig in Bowery. Oh my God. I mean, We should get into a bar fight. What if we did that? What if we just got super drunk and walked around there and looked out for like a three foot tall guy? We should bring some crosses with us or something to be safe. <laughs> like a wooden spear. Or we just need a Bowie knife. Bowie knives are pretty badass. Yeah. We, we would definitely get it. There's no way a Bowie knife is legal in Manhattan though. We'd get so arrested. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I was just saying. Like, we get arrested, but just us walking around like blackout drunk with a huge knife. We need a camera. We're just looking for vampires. We'd have to fight someone, though, because it's attracted to bar fights. Could make that happen. We could fight each other. <laughs> that would be fine. <laughs> yeah. All right. Want well, to get into some ancient aliens? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So, where to even begin? What's the most ancient alien? They go way back, Steve. As you know, there's the ancient aliens theory And then there's the Ancient Aliens show. They're two different things, I think, right? Sort of. There's a theory that humans were at some point helped by aliens to progress ourselves forward in society or technology, etc. There is also a show on the History Channel that has 200 episodes, Steve. 200 episodes at this point? 200 episodes of just fake shit. Basically, what they've done is they're quote unquote scientists, but they just take any prominent figure through history and swap that with an alien or an alien human hybrid. Oh, Jesus Christ. And they take any religious text, any history, any whatever. Was Ludwig an alien? 
He could have been. Seriously, he could have been. Maybe. So the ancient aliens theory started in 1968. There was a book called Chariots of the Gods by Eric Von Donegan. Basically, his theory was there were actually aliens that people throughout history have misinterpreted as gods. So there are a lot of things that are similar throughout history, like the Sumerians and the Aztecs, the Chinese, even like European civilizations, they all have these very common threads throughout their folklore of myths about floods. A lot of them have pyramids. A lot of them have stories about giants, stuff about their gods are similar. They're wondering how did all these ancient people across the world all have very similar stories and very similar like architecture and ways that they were evolving. And the only thing they could think of was aliens. <laughs> well, I actually have a theory for why the flood is everything and, mm-hmm. and all of them. So you know the reason that humans are able to get to the Americas initially is because of the whatever it's called land bridge. I don't remember at this point. And that's because it was the last glacial maximum period. So the water level was lower because it was caught up in ice. So modern human beings, we were around when (laughs) water levels are lower. And we were also around where we are now where we're not the glacial maximum anymore. So the water level rose and the entire areas where people lived, like we find artifacts under the sea because these areas when the people live there were above ground. So it makes sense that all over the world, the water level is a lot higher now. So of course you have all these great flood stories Maybe it wasn't all at once, probably, but all these areas where people used to live are now underwater. So it's not like it just happened in America, it happened all over the world. So it makes sense for that one. I can't explain the rest of it, though. I mean, no, that's a good thought, though. And like, there's probably stuff that was happening. I can't even think of what, but it makes sense that these people would have gods and be looking up at the stars and be thinking, what's up there? What's happening? Mm -hmm. That to me is that's just coincidental. That's not weird. At the end of the day, we are all human beings. Maybe there's something fundamental about us that wants to make pyramids. Yeah. And it's also just an effective shape for building. Exactly. So anyways, that's where the theory comes from. Then we come in with the shit show of a TV series. (laughs) So remember my crazy earth science teacher ever I told you about? He was on Ancient Aliens. Really? He thought he was an alien. The guy was fucking bonkers. I mean, I think I'm an alien, but that's besides the point. <laughs> no, but this guy like would say random shit. Like, I think he was a little crazy. Gotta love weird. tenure. High school science teachers are weird. This was middle school. This guy was bonkers. Yeah. So anyways, that's really crazy, though, because this show is really out there. And the main guy that you see all the time and the person that Steve and I know and love is Giorgio Sulakos. I'm really butchering his name. I'm sorry. And that's the guy with the crazy hair. I had no idea his name was Giorgio. His name sounds very Greek to yeah. me. I mean, it but does. I guess he was born in Switzerland, which is weird. But he is a writer, ufologist, and a television producer. So he's the main guy. Yeah. And I will also say this has blown up to have a cult following. And there's this convention every year called Alien Con, 
Mm-hmm. which I think would actually be really fun to go to, by the oh, way. Definitely. Post-COVID, we're all these things. It'd be really fun. I think we should definitely go to Alien Con. We talked about trying to do like video content when COVID's over. We just need someone who can film stuff for us. Yeah. We had to figure out how to do like in-person interviews without having to lug a laptop and mics around because that would be a fun place to interview people. But we had to figure out all that That'd out. That'd be so much fun. I know. And i also be like super into it. There were 10,000... This is from a New York Times article that's a few years old, but the last I saw, there were 10,000 attendees at this place who were at the conference about ancient aliens. So 10,000 people, at least, are curious enough to pay to go to this conference. So I am now going to go through, and this is from a very helpful YouTube video that Steve sent me. Yeah, I had full disclosure. I'm glad it helped because it was recommended to me. I didn't watch it, but the title was perfect with what you said you might be interested in watching. Yes, it was perfect if you guys are interested in learning more because this guy recaps it super, super well. Alternate History Hub is the name of the channel. And the Mm -hmm. name of the video is The History of the World According to Ancient Aliens. So this guy, Alternate History Hub, watched... All 200 episodes of oh Ancient my Aliens. God. Props to that guy. I feel like my brain would fucking melt off. Yeah. That's dedication. I think Ancient Aliens is kind of fun, but watching all 200 episodes, I think my IQ would drop quite a few points. He must have been paying attention because he took notes and has outlined the timeline of what the ancient aliens theorists believe happened from the Mm -hmm. beginning of time through today because all of the episodes they're not in chronological order they're just random Mm -hmm. but this guy watched them all and put them in order into a timeline it's a really really great synopsis so that was very helpful i'm very excited to share this with you (laughs) i'm excited i purposely didn't watch it so i wanted to hear your take on it It's a 25-minute video, totally worth the watch. So this starts 450,000 years ago. And this is when there's still like hominids across the earth. So humans as we know them aren't really there yet. And there's kind of a few different, not, what are they called? Species. Yeah, there's a few different species of like humanoid beings. I'm not saying this properly, but you get what I'm saying. Hominins. Hominins. Yes. I know this stuff because of geoscience and I have watched every single human evolution documentary on curiosity stream. Haven't plugged them in a while, but I mean, <laughs> Hey, curiosity. Sponsor us. <laughs> sponsor us. At least give us a free subscription. Oh, Speaking of sponsorships, someone tagged us in something about, you know, what misfits market that sells like misfits. Yeah. Yeah. Food. Yeah. We got we to gotta get in touch with them. Like, even if they just pay us in groceries, that's good enough. I mean, I use their competitor as my actual groceries every week. So I would be totally down. We'll be like, hey, we'll cut a deal with you here. We'll yeah. give you exposure. You don't have to pay us money for now. You just give us our weekly groceries. We should actually try it. I'm no, I'm, I'm being dead serious. Let's do it. Because that's going to save us 50, 60 bucks a week. That would be huge. That would be absolutely huge. That'd be incredible. Yeah, we're going to do that. So anyways, 450,000 years ago, aliens find Earth. And it's an attractive planet because it's got water and it's got gold. 
I don't know why gold would necessarily be valuable to them. Gold's not really valuable to us, except we decided it is. Exactly. We don't use gold in like any technology. That puts a major hole in this theory just off the bat. Yeah. We could have chosen iron, which is useful and we're iron rich or copper or no, uranium. Gold. Water makes sense. Water we're- makes sense. But are these like Spanish conquistadors, these aliens? Like, oh, the gold. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So- They come across Earth, it's rich in water and gold, which are apparently two things they want for whatever reason. And they decide, and there's going to be a lot of holes in the middle that I am not able to fit in. They find Earth, they see these hominins, and they're like, okay, we are going to create an artificial slave species in the image of these hominins. Which makes perfect sense. It's not like evolution exists. No, no. <laughs> so the first two humans, actual humans that they create are Adam and Eve. Oh, okay. That's another thing you'll find is the ancient aliens, at least in the show, the theory is pretty much everything that was written in a religious text, folklore, historical text is real, but it was just aliens instead of people so Loch Ness Monster aliens Bigfoot aliens I don't know about Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot specifically for their folklore more ancient stuff so like Adam and Eve real Egyptian pharaohs aliens the Virgin Mary had sex with aliens anything you could think of the answer is aliens aliens yeah okay so I'm going to explain Bill Belichick and Tom Brady win all the time. Aliens. Deflate gate. Aliens. aliens. Exactly. It explains why the Jets suck. Aliens. Aliens are running the team. Don't know anything about football. That's why we suck. COVID, every- aliens. Aliens. Exactly. So they create an artificial slave species and it's just Adam and Eve. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the little snake that tempts them. Aliens. Is an alien. Of course. But the snake is kind of also a symbol for knowledge because there was a fight between these two types of aliens. One that just wanted them to be slaves and one that wanted humans to have knowledge. Mm -hmm. And the snake represented the ones who wanted the knowledge. So it's kind of like Satan is real but he's just the symbol exactly he's the symbol of the alien who wanted to give them knowledge so he's a good alien in their sense i mean it seems that way to me so what this reminds me of is have you ever seen the south park history channel thanksgiving special it is one of the absolute best episodes basically the boys have to give a presentation about Thanksgiving. So they turn on the History Channel and it's like, we're aliens at the first Thanksgiving. And they just make a bunch of shit up. It all turns out to be true. And <laughs> it's like the pilgrims were aliens. The Native Americans were aliens. It's seriously what they do though. Steve, I, right? I know. It's my favorite episode ever. Because like the History Channel like interviews them. Like, how do you know all this? Stuff? I was like, well, we watch the History Channel. Is the pilgrim aliens versus the Native American aliens and they're fighting over the stuffing mines on their home planet. That is not far from what like, actually no, That's what they're making fun of it. Because the justification for why they're aliens is that there's no mention of stuffing 
before like the first Thanksgiving. Thing. <laughs> that is so, so funny. Therefore, it must be aliens. Okay, so there's the aliens who want to give them knowledge. Yes, we have and the same aliens and then the slave aliens. Yes. And so they go to war. And during this war, this is when all of the other hominins besides humans die out. Yeah, that makes sense. Because not like they died out thousands of years apart. Yep. And also, <laughs> why aren't we finding any alien artifacts? Yeah. And like, also, it doesn't account for the fact that we had sex with a freaking Neanderthals. Like, we overlapped with them. They didn't all just die. We killed them. So, yeah, it's a whole weird thing. So, all of the hominins are killed except for humans. And this is symbolized as the Great Flood. This is when Noah gets on his ark. But in their story, this is real. Mm-hmm. Noah gets on his ark with two of every animal and two humans. And they get on the bow and then they start over. Fast forward. So they get off the boat. Thousands of years go by. Fast forward. Aliens are now kings of different civilizations across the world. Humans are so confused by this crazy technology that we can't comprehend, like flying saucers, whatever, mm-hmm. that we just assume that these beings must be gods. This is when humans start to worship the aliens. And so this is the Egyptians, the Virgin Mary says that, you know, she was impregnated by god but it was actually an alien everything even they go back to chinese texts where dragons are real those are aliens moses splitting the red sea aliens literally anything that you can think of aliens in actuality it's not like humans and god living together in this utopia the humans are the slaves still Mm -hmm. But we just are so fucking dumb that we worship our masters. It's at this point that the aliens start teaching us how to make things. Mm -hmm. So that's like the pyramids, Stonehenge, etc. And you might ask, why? Why do the aliens care? I have a question. So why did the aliens, if they're so advanced and can fly here... Why do they teach the Egyptians how to make pyramids using really rudimentary levers and pulleys rather than, uh, I don't know, giving them a fucking gas-powered crane or something? Great question. I don't know. Maybe they're a little dumber than we think, those aliens. (laughs) Yeah, and some of it does not add up. And my question through a lot of this is, why would the aliens care if we're smart? Why would they want us to build this shit? If they're just here to steal resources why are we building the pyramids and like yeah that seems like a waste also my follow-up question is you said every single pharaoh is a alien they think right yep well how do we explain that we have done dna testing on every single alien uh, every single pharaoh's mummy remains that we find and they're all 100 human so so some humans are alien human hybrids and I don't know. That's all I got. <laughs> Sounds like a lame they came up with. It's like, oh, alien human hybrid. It's like, uh, no, that doesn't add up. So the reason why they want to build all these structures is because there is, according to Giorgio, the guy with the crazy hair. Yeah. 
There is a secret geomagnetic field across the earth. And every one of these structures is on top of a important part of the geomagnetic field. And the aliens use this field to travel between monuments. And that's it. I like, don't follow that at all, but sure. <laughs> so they use the magnetic field to travel. Mm-hmm. When they travel from spot to spot, they wanted to have a monument there as a guide. Okay. I'd say a landmark. Yes. And so that's why they build huge ass pyramids, Stonehenge, etc. Okay. Sure. That checks out, right? Yeah, sure. Why not? And now I'm just getting into like weird shit that they said. Go for it. Tell me the weirdest shit that they have told you. So what is from the aliens? The wheel, aqueducts, language. Here are a few people who were in cahoots with the aliens. Leonardo da Vinci. Back in his day, it was like drawing diagrams of helicopters. He was a really fucking smart dude. Yeah, he was a really smart dude, but we don't know the context of a lot of that stuff. Maybe they're just doodles. Da Vinci in cahoots with the aliens. Columbus in cahoots with the aliens. Yeah, no fucking way. Because remember we talked about the Bermuda Triangle. He had no idea what a fucking meteorite was. There's no way he was in cahoots with the aliens. Well, maybe the meteorite was an alien spacecraft. He also didn't know about Magnetic North, so I just think he's an idiot. Also, he thought that he ended up in India for, like, his whole life. Not a bright dude. He just is good at, I mean, he's good at sailing. Hey, the only thing that he did is he proved that the Earth isn't flat. That's, like, his one achievement. He's good at, like, killing people. I won't call that an achievement, though, but... No, nope, nope. (laughs) (laughs) And... Even up to Thomas Jefferson and George Washington. And apparently there's something about the old historic buildings in Washington, D.C. all line up into a star, which was apparently a sign for the aliens to show our solidarity with them. Sure it was. Right? That checks out, right? Yeah, definitely. It definitely doesn't have some sort of probably military explanation. Like, you know, the roads in D.C. are all designed to be two weeks. So if a tank ever goes on them, the roads will collapse. Hmm, yeah. They were thinking I, about the aliens, Steve. Okay, yeah. Maybe. Maybe it makes it invisible to UFOs. Okay, so here's a few other weird things. There's something called the Dendera light bulb. Never heard of it. I'm going to send you a photo. The ancient aliens people... Look at this photo, and they think that this right here is evidence that the Egyptians knew about light bulbs because this thing apparently looks like a light bulb, and uh-huh. that means that there must have been aliens. Here we go. All right, let's see. And tell me what you think that looks like. What the fuck? It looks like a placental animal, or like, you know what it looks like? You know, like a shark's egg? To me, that looks like a penis. <laughs> That too. Or like a tampon, because don't tampons have like the stringy thing? Yeah. That's gonna look like a tampon. That's <laughs> like a tampon with a snake in the middle. <laughs> but also it could be as like a giant penis because it is right next to his dick. I don't look at this and say irrefutably that's a light bulb. I go more towards like a placenta, like a shark's egg, or a penis, or a tampon. Yeah, I think a tampon is a good theory. Apparently, ancient aliens look at this and say. This is evidence that they knew about aliens. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy that. Okay, here's another one. All right, I'm ready. So the show also prophesizes that 
humans, not hominins, humans overlapped with dinosaurs. Sure. Which is not real. <laughs> no, that's just made up. That's nonsense. They're like, well, this one guy found human footprints next to dinosaur prints. But then real scientists looked at it and they're like, yeah, these are from like millions of years apart. <laughs> like those are from two minutes ago. It was a really a blueprint. <laughs> like the scientist probably stepped there and looked back and was like, oh shit. <laughs> aliens. Their theory is that humans and aliens overlapped. Humans but, aliens or humans and dinosaurs? Sorry, sorry. Well, <laughs> all of them. Yes, all <laughs> but, of them overlapped. But humans and dinosaurs overlapped, and the aliens had to kill the dinosaurs because they thought the humans would get them further in terms of building shit and technology and resource acquisition. So they Big just- mistake killing the dinosaurs. Exactly. They're so much cooler than humans. Imagine like super smart velociraptors. They would fuck shit up. Right. And then, okay, I'll give you one more. All right, I'm ready. So, you know the story in the Bible of, like, Jonah being swallowed by the whale? Yeah. Same with Pinocchio. Exactly. And only he's in outer space. <laughs> that was the dumbest movie we've ever watched. That was watched. the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so, Jonah getting swallowed by the whale, again, everything ever written pretty much is real. So, of course, Jonah getting eaten by the whale is real, but... It was not a whale. It was actually a USO, an unidentified submerged object. <laughs> I'm going to file a counter argument here and say it was actually Monstro coming from Mars to yep. Jonah. And then the blue right. fairy is like, hey, Jonah, remember, nothing you learned is wasted. And then they're like, oh, I can escape through the blowhole. And then Jonah hypnotizes the whale because Jonah's magic spaceship gets like dented or something and then miraculously hypnotizes it and then oh no that's pinocchio in space sorry and the lesson at the end of the day is study your science textbooks so you know what a blowhole is in yes case ever gets swallowed by a whale exactly <laughs> that's the moral of pinocchio in space and then you become a real boy at the end you guys should listen to that episode it's a terrible fucking movie but it's really funny it was really funny after the fact it was really funny but it was it, it was, was hard to get through it we was watched really it funny. so you guys didn't have to exactly <laughs> there's no reason to put yourself through that that was like the worst hour and 10 minutes of my life i think watch sitting there watching that well the worst part about it is like it's clearly like a vhs that someone recorded on youtube so it's yeah. just like the audio quality is nails on a chalkboard and you can't really see what's going on. It was and nothing so, really happens. <laughs> nothing fucking happened. I feel like I could have skipped through the middle hour of it and been fine. I know. And the middle hour is like 99% of the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's an 80 minute movie. So <laughs> honestly, the craziest part of that entire film is that I found out after is that that film was originally in black and white. But they decided that it was worthy of being colorized. I don't know what people were thinking. They're like, oh, what movie should we colorize? Pinocchio in Outer Space. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was a miscalculation. So, yeah, I mean, Pinocchio and Sauce would be a good movie. That was not good. We would. We might need to get a director to make that. A director of animations, perhaps. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think that it is a completely horrible, terrible, out-of-bounds theory that people 
way back in ancient times could have seen an extraterrestrial being and interpreted it as a god. I don't think that's the craziest thing I've ever heard, but I don't think George Washington was making signs of solidarity in the nation's capital. Also, like, I'm pretty sure he didn't design the nation's capital. Probably not. I'm pretty sure it was, uh, I can't remember his name, but that was someone else. I'm pretty sure that happened like way after Washington was out of power. Because the capital wasn't even in D.C. until, um, wait a second. I'm going to put a major hole in this. I'm pretty sure the capital wasn't even in D.C. until Jefferson. Wait a second. I'm going to Google this. They also mentioned Jefferson as being in cahoots. It wasn't until 1790 that Congress moved to D.C. That seems really late. Yeah, I know. Because the American Revolution was in 1776, and it wasn't like it wrapped up in 1790. It wasn't that long. We won relatively quickly. Like seeing a hieroglyphic of a light bulb, they very much could write and read the same way that we do. So they would have written down like, the aliens are here. We're going (laughs) to... You I know, know just like, because it's hieroglyphics doesn't mean they couldn't read and write. No, but I mean, like, there's a lot more interpretation to be done with hieroglyphics. Oh, yeah. To Washington and Jefferson. Oh, definitely. Aliens, honestly, it's a fun concept, but it's kind of just nonsense. Yeah. Like I was saying, when I was reading about Chariots of the Gods, the first book about the ancient alien theory, I was like, I almost could kind of maybe not completely rule this out of my head mm-hmm. but then the ancient alien show is just people spewing bullshit out of their assholes yeah that's <laughs> the thing maybe they just gave it a really bad rap but i don't know it's just well, hard i'll send you this new york times article too and maybe i should read the title of it so people can find it but people who went to this alien con thing Mm -hmm. were like i am raising my children on ancient aliens theory people really believe this and i think that even like the scientists don't really believe this who is on the show like i think they're just making shit up for a show and people are believing it i think they are too hold up i have to show you something that i found today that's gonna blow your mind there's a facebook group i'm gonna text you Sorry, the the name of the New York Times article is Suspicious Minds by Stephen Kurtz from 2018. Yeah, I, just, I just texted this to you. I've discovered a Facebook group called Did Abe Lincoln Really Exist? That has 8.3 thousand followers. Did Abe Lincoln really exist? Woo! America for you. And this is real. Yeah, to the best of my knowledge, this is a real thing. And it says this page is qualified as a, quote, fictional character. I'm guessing yeah. saying Ape Lincoln is a fictional character. Yeah. <laughs> Facebook needs to just disappear. It is a cancer on our society. The Actually, that, though, that's... The fact that 8,000 people... do that now, but, like, that's a real problem. The fact that 8,000 people are allowed to believe and spread a myth that one of our presidents never actually existed is fucking batshit insane. Yeah, that's pretty fucking nuts. How is that allowed? That should be like, no, not allowed to lie. Oh, God. Anyway. Sometimes I just wonder if we're too aware. Humans, we're never meant to be this aware. We're definitely never meant to be this connected. Right? There's no reason that I needed to know that some girl I was 
casually acquainted with in high school, who was a year younger than us, is now pregnant and actually just had a baby. I didn't need to know that. Yeah, I didn't really need to know that my ex-boyfriend got married yesterday. <laughs> Jeez. I think they say that the maximum number of people you can actually know is 150 people. That's the most people you can know. As in like, I mean, obviously you can know more than that, but like that you can actually know and care about have a relationship with is 150s where it caps out. That's a lot of people. It is. But social media, it just gives you too many people. Yeah. I don't use Facebook anymore, but I have like 800 quote unquote friends on there, but you don't, you can only have, the studies suggest you only have 150 people that are in your group. You can't go beyond that point. So I think the internet's a mistake, but at least we can do this. So it's kind of fun. (sighs) That's a conversation for another time. Anyway, I think we should probably wrap this up. We covered a lot today though. We did. We covered a lot. And I actually have half of my notes left. So I think I could do a part two of this segment at some point. Yes, definitely. We can discuss this now even, but I think we should definitely have episode one day, a bonus episode, perhaps. Don't research anything. Just sit down and chat about aliens and ghosts and shit and just our theories. I feel like that's what our first episode kind of was. Yeah, but I feel like we could do that, but like. 10 times better because we're not uncomfortable. We're not nervous. We're not nervous. Yeah, exactly. We kind of know what we're doing. I also think our first episode I recorded like on my phone. Yeah, you did on your phone. And I had uh, just straight up mic. So like, the audio quality is not good. We didn't know what we were doing. And I think we're so much better now. Yeah, we definitely are. We're not reading a review to this week. I don't feel like doing it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Next week, we'll have a review though. So make sure you send them. As always, please subscribe to Misfits and Mysteries on your preferred podcast platform and consider leaving us a review. And where can people find us, Emmy? So people can find us on misfitsandmysteries.com. That's where you can find our blog. That's also where you can find our merch and where all the podcasts is. You can also find us on social at podcast underscore misfits on Instagram and Twitter. And check us out on YouTube, Misfits and Mysteries, Facebook, Misfits and Mysteries, and Pinterest, question mark. We are on Pinterest. That's your your jam. Pinterest, we're just Misfits and Mysteries. You find all of our blogs and such there. All right, guys. Stay spooky, Misfits. Stay spooky, guys. Bye. Bye.